Hello everyone, this is Richard with Richard Runs Trails. Welcome to episode 54. I've got an exciting episode today. This is a replay of my live stream last night on my YouTube channel, which is also called Richard Runs Trails. Um, Jay Tainert from the Old, Old Ultra Runner channel joined me and we had a great discussion about um, runners who want to transition from roads into trails or just start just getting started in trail running some tips and uh we had a fun discussion so hope you enjoy it uh, so stay tuned uh for the the live stream uh, um and uh, have a nice weekend it's friday here in texas enjoy your run and and uh talk to you soon stay tuned after the after the short break for the the broadcast bye Hello everyone, this is Richard with Richard Runs Trails. Just make sure that I'm uh, live on YouTube. Hope everyone's doing great. Um, got an exciting show tonight, um, Thursday Trail Talk. We're going to be talking about first-time trail runs, how to get into trail running. So uh, hold on one sec, make sure that we're, yeah. we're good. We're good. We're live on YouTube. Um so let's get started. Um, we may have some uh, some uh, distinguished guests tonight. Um, um, two different gentlemen, which are very experienced in trail running and also have their own YouTube channels, may join me tonight. So stay tuned. I'll introduce you as they join. But um, how to get into trail running? Um, I can give you my story. I mean, I ran, I did road running for 20 plus years, but you don't have to. I, I was involved in marathons and I wasn't a marathon maniac, but I did a lot of marathons, half, half marathons. I even got involved in triathlon for a while, did a few triathlons, got kicked in the face in the swim and figured that what, that wasn't a good one for me. I didn't also just didn't like the culture in triathlon, but I did like duathlon where you run, bike, run. That was real popular, you know, 15, 20 years ago. But, um, um, I lived in China for 10 years. And then when I came back, my job, I couldn't, I didn't find a good job in Texas, but, um, let me fix my little bucket hat here. I'm wearing the sport in the bucket hat again. I didn't find a Texas, uh, job in Texas where I, I'm home. I'm from, I found a job in California. So I lived in the Bay area for two years and uh, got introduced to trail running. I was looking for races and almost all the races are in the trails. And, um, I guess I was excited about it because, I live very close to a mountainous area, you know, cause like I live in San Jose and San Jose is in the Valley. There's mountains on both sides of you and there's just tons of trail racing everywhere. You know, you go all the way to, up towards an hour up towards San Francisco or you go South. It's just a trail running Mecca. And, um, you know, I started off small. I, I, I started, I signed up for, I said, I want to do an ultra, but, I want to just do the smallest one I could. I didn't do a 50 K. I actually did a six hour event. I figured, well, I'll pass the, I'll pass the marathon mark in a six hour event. And it was a loop trail. And, um, it was North of San Francisco in a park. And I remember distinctively, I got some special shorts, but I, I, I used my ASICS road shoes. I didn't have any trail shoes. And, um, 
It turned out pretty well. I mean, uh, I really enjoyed it. I met some people out there, you know, chatting and stuff. And in all my years of road running, nobody ever talked to me in a road run. You know, I don't know. Not knocking road running. I still do some of it. But it's just a different culture, you know. You know, um, you know, people are taking it easy and chatting at aid stations and stuff like that. But in my first six-hour run, that's what I encountered. And, um, you know, I've showed in one of my videos my buckle case where I keep all my buckles and medals. I only keep my trail running. I didn't, you know, I just don't have my marathon ones anymore. I just threw them away during some moves. I wish I would have kept them, put them in my buckle case. But anyways, what, what I'm getting to is one of my biggest medals is actually from my first ultra. It was a, um, a six hour in um, north of Oakland in California. And uh, I was hooked um, for a couple of reasons. Most of the races are trail racing in uh, Bay Area. And it's just beautiful. I mean, you're running beautiful scenery. My first race was kind of near the Bay in a park and it wasn't too scenic. It was a nice area, but it wasn't too scenic. But my second race, boy, that was beautiful. And that really hooked me. My second race was a Skyline 50K. It's in Oakland Mountains. Oh, hi, Monica. Monica is joining from Toronto. Hey, thanks for joining. Talking about the first uh, trail races and how to get involved in trail racing. My first trail race, um, like I said, um, was in um, the Oakland area. Um, most people think of Oakland, if you've never been to Oakland, it's, it, it is very rural. And some people think, oh, it's kind of a dangerous city. You know, it's kind of a busy city. But right in the center of Oakland, Oakland, they have some mountains and there's some beautiful places to do trail running. So I did the Skyline 50K and um, I uh, it was an interesting race because I ran it pretty hard. And um, I think I finished in like six, seven hours, seven hours. I mean, it wasn't a great time, but I was in the back of the pack. But what, what I learned was you don't wear, you don't wear road shoes in a, in a mountain race. <clears throat> I basically lost this. I think I wore ASICs road shoes. I didn't have any trail shoes yet. So my second ultra, I also wear road shoes, but there was a lot of uh, technical sections and um, uh, it was just dirt trail. I mean, going up a mountain, it's a pretty, you know, pretty big one. And, uh, I think Jay is joining now. Hey, Jay. Hey, Richard. How you doing? Good, good, good. You're my first one to join one of, one of my live streams. It's working well. Good. Yeah, yeah. It took was, me a minute because I had got a new computer and I had to go set up security so it would allow my camera to be used. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah, I was just chatting about my, uh, my you know, first two ultras that I got involved in and, uh, Actually, I was thinking about it today. My first two ultras were trail ultras, and I, I wear road shoes, and I paid I paid the price for doing that. Yeah. Uh, my se- my second ultra was a mountain ultra in Oakland, California, and um, wow. at, the, at the at the end of the race, I didn't have any skin on the back of my ankle. So <laughs> it was tough. But uh, I remember that I remember uh, I finished the race. It was a fifty k, but I re- remember stink- distinctively. There was like a park ranger on a bicycle and I was really hurting and I had about 10 K to go and he was riding the opposite direction. And I was, as I was running, he stopped his bike. And the only thing he told me was you got this. <laughs> <laughs> so it was pretty motivating, but uh, 
Yeah, so I was just thinking that maybe the theme is, you know, we could talk about we could talk about how people can get into trail running. But uh Jay, maybe maybe um everybody knows me. Maybe introduce yourself, tell you a little, little, little bit about what you do. I mean, you're the expert from DFW and uh maybe tell a little bit about your channel too. I don't know if I'd say I'm an expert, but <laughs> I got a uh, YouTube channel as well. It's it's the old ultra runner, the name I put on the screen. And uh again, I just I talk a lot about the, the races I do, the training I do, uh, I will do different tips, videos where I give tips just because I've been running for 30, 30 years, uh, probably a little more. And, and uh, I've been doing, I, I think I started doing trail, I guess the first trail ultra was probably 17 years ago. So I've done several. So I, I've got a few things that I've run into over the years. So I'll talk about those things in my YouTube Channel. That's great. Hey Jay, we I just just going to make a quick comment that we're truly international today. We have Monica from Toronto that's uh, in the chat, and we also have Mia Mia Moore. Well, she's she's a friend of mine. She's in Hong Kong. So <laughs> great. I think she was on the last time I was chatting. Yeah, she was on a previous one too. Yeah, she trail run. She's a trail runner. She's from Indonesia, but she's li living in Hong Kong. So so uh, Jay, um, you. You stay pretty busy. I mean, you you're racing all, or running something almost every weekend. It seems like you got all these series you're involved in and everything. Yeah, well, that the, the series is just every fall. There's a every other weekend six hour race that I do, but um, that that's that's done for the for this year. So um, I, I signed up for kind of a crazy thing that I'm in the middle of right now. <laughs> I, I did this. Uh, on ultra sign up, there was a race called, uh, the dreadmill 100 or the dreadmill 48 hour challenge. And I oh. did it last year. I did try to see how fast on a treadmill you can run a hundred miles. <laughs> so is, is it, are you limited to 48 hours or you just go until you're done? You're limited to 48 hours. Now I finished the treadmill hundred miler last year in 22 hours and something. But I'm not in shape to do that right now. I'm still recovering. I, I had my heart attack less than eight weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was going to ask you about that. I remember you, you talked about it a little bit, but Jay, did, did, it, did you actually have the pain during a run or was it after mm -hmm. a run? Or how, I was in the middle of one, one of those six-hour events that I was doing the every other week thing. Uh -huh. And I was about four hours into the run. I was about 20 miles in and I started having... Uh, a little bit of pain across my chest and I actually just thought I had indigestion or gas. <laughs> um, but I went to the bathroom, sat down. I still did like four more miles after it started bothering me oh, really? and it just wouldn't go away. And my energy all was drained. So I went home and tried to sleep. I couldn't fall asleep. Um, it wasn't real bad pain, but it was enough. It was keeping me awake. Um, and then finally it took me eight or nine hours before I realized that I should probably go to the hospital and have it checked out. It turned out I was having a heart attack. <laughs> wow. Now are there, I, I, there, are there different severities of heart attack? Was yours like a very uh, mild one or? Yeah, I was, I was fortunate. I didn't have a lot of, I mean, um, damage to the heart, it appears, but mm -hmm. it basically means the blood isn't flowing through there the way it's supposed to be. And, Apparently there was some big artery they call the 
I don't remember it's a left diagonal or something that apparently they call the widow maker that that one blocks yeah. real often and it causes people to drop and they die. Yeah. That was not blocked on me, but it was, I had a little artery that fed into that, that got a hundred percent blocked. Oh, I see. I see. So, so that's uh, where the stents come in. They put so I got in. a stent in that one and then they found another artery that was somewhat blocked. So I got a stent and so I got two stents. Oh, wow. So what did they just make a small incision and go in that way or did they, is it pretty? Yeah. They actually went into my wrist. Is that right? Wow. wow. Your, your radial artery in your wrist. Now, a lot of people, they'll go through a big, there's an artery down in your uh, upper leg. Yeah. They'll run it up through. But the doctor I'm using tries to go through your wrist. Now, they shaved it down on my leg in case they needed to go in that way. But they were able to go through the radial artery on my wrist. Anyway, there's a little scar there. I don't think you can see it now. But Wow. And they go up there and they do a can angiogram may basically look at all the arteries and then while they were in there they were able to put the stents in and everything it was i was i was under for a couple hours and wow. I was not fully under. i was i heard some of it going on they kind yeah. of put you in a in and out state where you kind of half there so are you do you feel like you're back 100 percent running where you were before or are you still taking it easy no i'm still not back to normal i'm um Watching my heart rate, I'm I'm not letting it, my heart rate go over like 130, and my stamina is not quite back. But I'm feeling better. Like this week, I'm, for the first time, I'm starting to feel more normal. But maybe you get faster. You know, that's you know, I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Phil Maffetone. You know, they call it the math method. Yeah. You know, he he trained um, in the 80s. The the world the the triathlete that won Ironman so many times. Can't believe I can't remember his name, but. Anyways, he, that was his claim to fame and the Maffetone method, which I've used a lot, but I pad it some because mine is, you know, it's 180 minus your age. So that means I should be running 125 heart rate. That's almost impossible. So I usually pad it some, but yeah, you're right in that Maffetone level, you know, so. I have followed it. <laughs> I've actually followed Maffetone for years, but, but yeah, yeah, now I'm down to the point where I'd have to be like 121. So. I fudge yeah. it a little bit normally and say, well, if my average, I'm keeping it under 130, I'm doing good. But I'll usually have harder. I mean, I follow it most of the time, but then I allow some harder days. That, that's what I that's what I do, too. And um, I do it. I do a modified one. It wasn't my idea. There's actually a, um, a big organization called Run Lab in Austin, and they do gait analysis and all that. Anyways, they have a podcast, the owner can't remember his name, but he's a very famous roadrunner. And um, one of the guys on his staff is a trail runner. And they, they actually put on some trail races and stuff. But he came up with the idea where he uses the Maffetone method, but he incorporates strides in the. So I try to do that, too. I think that I like that a lot. So I kind of run my normal pace and then, which is usually around 10. I usually run like 10K when I go run. But the last two kilometers, I'll try to do some strides because I'm warmed up by then and and uh, just try to do a faster mile. I think that's a pretty good idea. I'm, in a, I'm a believer. I do the Maffetone method pretty exclusively to build up a, a base. But then um, I've also read there's books by there's a Matt Fitzgerald that wrote a book. He He's written several mm -hmm. books. He wrote one that's called 8020. Yeah. And, uh, he's a. Uh, the 8020 book is kind of based on the work. There's a guy named Steven Seiler who now lives in the Netherlands or something that mm -hmm. has written a whole bunch of uh, stuff, 
training methodology books. Well, his 80-20 principle is um, you train like 80% of the time, kind of like in the Maffetone method, but then you allow yourself 10 to 20% of the time to train at a higher. Yeah, I, I think that's great. I mean, you know, I used to be a real podcast chunky, listening to all of them. And I mean, I think all the pros I know is like, like they're my relative, even though I've never met them because I've, I've seen so I've listened to so many interviews, but one thing always consistent from them is, um, you know, they say you need to be consistent in your training. So, you know, if you're not running, you should be biking or weightlifting or whatever. But the other thing they always say is the, the host always says, if you could tell a beginner runner uh, one thing to improve their running, what would you tell them? And many of them say this is they say, don't run the same way every day. <laughs> and that's what, you know, I, I fell in that trap. I probably did that for 20 years, you know. But now I try to go out and do some hill running. I try to do strides. Um, I don't do track workouts that much anymore, but I should. But um, I don't know. But you got to toss it up, you know. That, that, that's, that's how you're going to improve. And I've seen some improvement, you know, at least a minute off my mile. So over the last few years. I mean, I do a lot where it's very similar. But I just figure I'm doing base math type training. <laughs> Mm -hmm. but then I try to spice it up every once in a while, but I'm not spicing it up right now. I'm just trying to <laughs> keep everything easy and keep my heart rate low right at the moment. But so, <clears throat> yeah, we, we were talking about the treadmill and then we, we, I guess oh, I, we should follow up on that. So yeah. when, when are you going to actually do that this weekend or? Well, I started it today. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not shooting to do it straight through because I I'm just not in shape for it, but. I'm trying to see if I can get close to hundred miles in the 48 hours. So I started at 11 o'clock this morning and it mm -hmm. goes to 11 o'clock Saturday morning. Uh, okay. Today I ended up getting 36.8 miles, but I stopped about 7:30 and ate dinner and just said, I'm done for the night. <laughs> I'm going to sleep a full night. I'm going to get up in the morning. And I mean, I think the best way I figured out I might be able to get close to hundred is, is by splitting it up. Because right now I need my rest. I'm just not quite normal yet. So I did 36.8 today and maybe do maybe 50 tomorrow. If I do that, then I can get up Saturday morning and I have until 11 in the morning and I can do 15 more miles. Oh, that'd be great. That's kind of so, my thought. So you just, you just, it's a virtual thing. You just turn in the mileage and. Yeah, I have to take snapshots of the treadmill with timestamps. Oh, really? Showing wow. it zeroed out at a certain time and then later snapshotted with the mileage with it snapshotted. So, and they're, they're going to verify that. I mean, it, it's not a perfect way of doing it still, but he's at least seeing that you're getting the treadmill up to a certain distance. But at, at times you're saying and you can't have this, you can't use the same picture and over and over. They have to be time stamped and everything. Well, that's good. So what, what does your December look like? Are you planning to do anything in December? Or? Well, not other than this. I'm doing this treadmill. We're in December. Right yeah, yeah. So you, I mean, no no more races this month? or No, no. no. I, I am signed up for, uh, in January, the uh, Running the Rose in Tyler. Yeah, I, want, I, wanted, I wanted to do, I wanted to do that too. It's, it just all, always kind of conflicts with, um, Bandera 100K, which I like to do every year. And then does. Like to do but that's a nice, that's a nice park. And um, I know someone that um, uh, 
really good runner, Mono or something like that. He's a Hispanic guy. He's always winning the races in Texas. But he lives in Tyler. He's actually a UPS driver in Tyler, and he always talks about his training out there. But that's a beautiful park. Yeah, I, I, I love it out there. I'm signed up for the 54K. Mm-hmm. Uh, I may end up actually dropping down just because even though I'm doing long right now, I'm I'm pretty slow. <laughs> I no, may just do the 11 mile or 22 mile this year. Well, the thing is just be consistent. You know, I, I learned, you know, I thought I don't try to go crazy in the beginning of races, you know, lucky man, Braz has been hundred. Um, all the young bucks just take off, you know, and, and uh, you know, during the last 20 miles, I passed a lot of people and in the, the carnage was, was horrendous. You know, I have trekking poles that I keep in my bag because sometimes I often I need them in the last 20 miles. I didn't use them, but Jay, it was, it was pretty interesting. I've seen it before, but you wouldn't believe how many people were out there with, with uh, trekking poles that they made from, from uh, branches they found in the forest. <laughs> they didn't bring them, but they decided they needed them. Yes. Yeah. 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 So I, I meant to congratulate you on your race. That's, oh, thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm most happy I finished it because uh, I came off of actually two DNFs. I don't have many DNFs, but last year I, I had two. So, are you doing a Bandera this year? Yes, I guess it's coming up in a few weeks. I'm not seeing the chat, so if if anyone's asking questions, I'm not actually seeing it for some reason, Richard. Oh, you're not you're not seeing it, huh? Are you um, seeing it on oh, stream? There it is. I hit comments. I'm, it was under private chat. I'm not. Oh, so hi, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, me and Mora. I'm in, me I'm in, uh, yeah, I am in Austin, Texas. And Jay is in, you're in Fort Worth, right? Basically. Well, I'm in, in between Dallas and Fort Worth, but yes. Yeah. Close, close, some three, three hours north of you, three and a half hours north. Yeah. Actually, I lived in Euless before a long time ago. I actually lived in Irving and Euless. I worked for Nokia for 12 years, and the Nokia buildings are still there off of the – in Irving off of the road there. Yeah. But that was my uh, – that was my employer for a while. Yeah, I'm but actually then, in Bedford, so I'm right next to Euless. My parents live in Euless. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's a uh, – used, used to um, – yeah, it's very interesting. It's short. It's a small world. more high. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, she just said hi. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're truly, we're truly uh, international. I, you know, this is my fourth live stream. Sometimes, some days I have, you know, quite a few people join, and some days I've had no people join. So it's just kind of a timing thing. I don't really set the time because I never really know when my kids are going to go to sleep, and uh, yeah. so, and my my son, he has martial arts it's different every night and sometimes he wants to eat afterwards, you know, it's just, so I, I kind of have a little bit of flex in my schedule, but uh, I found that doing the live stream, I'm actually in my gym now. So Mm -hmm. it works out pretty good. And, you know, in Texas, it's not too hot right now. So I can be in the garage. So pretty nice. I'll recognize your uh, flag and your. Yeah. I'm actually sitting on my, uh, my weightlifting bench. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It works. It's working out well. Um, so what about January? Are you, are you planning? I, I, we, we got January. Well, I got Bandera, but are you, are you planning on doing that Jackalope this year in February? In February, I'm going to Jackalope. I've thought about that. I've thought about doing that. I have probably the hardest race of my life coming up into February. That's the run. Love it. I'm doing Ooh, that with yeah. my brother. Yeah. 
So that's, I mean, kind of probably kind of foolish after DNF and travelers and then going to run love it. They say it's twice as hard, but I think I'm going to be better prepared. But um, in February, I wanted to do something. I thought about going out to Rocky Raccoon and doing some filming and maybe pacing someone on a lot. I was even, this is funny, uh, Jay. I was even, you know who Nick Bear is, right? Yes. 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 You know, big star on the internet, you know, Bear Nutrition. Yes. I even use some of his products. Well, he's based in Round Rock real close to me. I and, know he you know, was in the Austin area, so. Yeah, yeah. He, he just did Leadville. And uh, um, for his fitness level, he didn't do that well. He finished. I give him credit for that. It's his first one. I think he finished in 27 hours. Well, I was thinking, man, I, that's about when I would finish. But, um, you know, he's a, he's, a mon- he's a beast. I mean, the guy can run a four-and-a-half-minute mile, and, you know, he trains every day. He's running seven, seven-and-a-half-minute miles. I watch a lot of his videos. Well, make short story is he's running Rocky Raccoon this year. And uh, he's been doing videos on it. And I've commented on some of his videos. I say, hey, I've, I've run it twice and I finished once. I'll pace you because I know at night I can run. I can keep up with him. During the day, no way. He smoked me. Right. But, but uh, once it gets to be night and he's late far into it, you could. Yeah, it's fine. I, I know that course well. And it just eats up a lot of people, even though it's fairly flat. Um if it's the fourth or fifth lap, I know I can keep up with him and I could probably help him, you know, but I think it would just be cool as hell to be, you know, running around with a rock star and fitness. No, I love that place. Uh, I'm going down. I have, there's some friends from DFW that are running it for the first time this year, Rocky raccoon. So they're going down. We're going to go, I'm going with them on the 27th of this month just to do a course preview that I, and I'm going to show them around some. Oh, that's great. I love, I love that park. I love that park. Hey, me of more. Yeah, if you come to Texas, let me know. We, I can uh, show you around. I live in Central Texas, so well. Yeah, let us know, me and more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and and Monica TV Toronto. Thank you very much. I see you subscribed to my channel just now. Yeah, she's just, she, both of them uh, have some great videos. So me and four has some from Indonesia trail running. Some really interesting ones. I did and go look at some of my more. Now I got to check out Monica's. Monica yeah, she's TV. got some. She's got some good. Uh, I mean, the trees are huge in her area and her videos. So, you know, Monica, you're up in the Toronto area. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And but so um, kind of got the East Coast, beautiful tree stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, my brother, my brother, he was in Pennsylvania the day, you know, he's, he's a truck driver and he might join some videos sometimes. We call him the ultra trucker because he's always training at truck stops and stuff. But um, he learned something up north that I'd never heard of. And uh, what they say is they go, you go run until you catch a leaf. You, you try to do that. It's not very easy. No, that would be hard. Yeah, especially in Texas. But he, he was laughing the other day. He actually caught a leaf. But, you know, you go out and you might be running a long time before you catch a leaf. <laughs> but the leaves are falling up there. You know, it's pretty interesting. But, uh, yeah, but anyways, I, 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 I've uh, spammed his uh, video saying I'll, 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 um, Pace you at Rocky Raccoon, and of course, no reply. I used to comment on some of his stuff on Instagram too. I don't have Instagram anymore, but when he did, when I did, I comment on his stuff. He didn't reply, and I actually helped him on some shoes one time because he was going to wear Lone Peaks at um, Leadville, and I told him those are too thin for him because you know he's a big guy. He's almost two hundred pounds. He's just solid muscle. That's why it's amazing his speed. You know, he he yeah. and um, I forget the CrossFit athlete. Um, 
another superstar. Anyways, he's having big rivalry with him on um, YouTube, and both of them are going to see who is going to be the first one to rub, run a sub three marathon. They ended up both doing it. I mean, yeah. I saw that he ran it. I didn't know. That. Yeah. The other guy did too. And uh, um, Monica's asking us a question. Yeah. If we can uh, tell her, ask, she's asking about music with running. That's a good question. That's a good question. My, my way on that is I, I listen on daily training runs. I listen to music and I even have it on my Garmin watch. So, I don't even need to carry my phone. So I have Spotify on my Garmin watch and I, it goes by Bluetooth in my headphones. I use music um, all the time when I daily training, but in a race, a trail race, I don't use it. And the reason is, or if I'm, um, when I, I'm talking about when I'm running in my neighborhood, they, these are trails that, you know, people walk in their dogs and stuff. If I'm out at the lake or a technical trail, I don't listen to music. If I'm in a trail race, I don't listen to music. And the reason is I want to hear my surroundings and I can give stories after stories of, you know, running into rattlesnakes, crossing the trail, you know, and hearing uh, wild boars and coyotes and everything, you know, I want to know what's around me, you know, kind of, I kind of uh, become part of nature as I would say. And I think it helps me out. And uh, also I want to talk with other people and, uh, so many times, uh, I'm sure Jay, you've seen this too, is I've come up with people that actually needed help or something was going wrong. And I try to tell them, but they couldn't hear me because they had music. Right. On. right. Yeah. No, I usually actually do not run with music. I used to run with music all the time. Uh, you will see me running from my, on my own. If I want a long run by myself, <laughs> um, yeah. I'll put in, I'll usually put it in, but I may only have it in one ear so I can still hear surroundings out of the other ear. And I'll roll off and listen to like long podcast. I'll just listen. To, so I have a like, friend talking to me almost. It sounds like. Um, yeah, no, that's great. And the one I have now, I have a couple of different ones. I have the Jaybird Terra Pros, which are for ultra runners, but those you plug in my ears and I only use for biking um, or in my gym, but I have these new ones. I forget the brand, but they're actually, you don't put them in your ear. The music goes through your jawbone. So okay. So when I'm running, I can actually hear cars coming up on me. Um, I really feel like I can hear my surroundings, you know. Yeah, I so. should know that brand. They're, they're like bone conducting. Yeah, it's like Aeroflex or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just I don't know. I know the brand you're talking about. I just can't remember the name either. Yeah, but I think they, they work really well. And uh, um, if you have a Garmin watch, the Bluetooth works really well with it. Um, I've had some problems with the watch broadcasting to other brands. And um, I don't, know. I don't have music. I have a Garmin, but I have an older one, so I still don't have music on my. Yeah, it's it's a cool it's a cool feature because I you know my my phone I've I mean I've got the big battery on it and everything. In an ultra race, I'll take the battery off and I put it in a Ziploc bag and I turn it off. I just put it in my pack in case I get in trouble. Yeah. Or it's like my third light. I carry two lights, but it's my third light, mm -hmm. and. Uh, um, but anyways, I don't like to carry my phone when I'm running because it's just too heavy. So, so I started using my watch and I, I really like it a lot. It works really well. And, uh, I've gotten pretty good at it. when you first start using it, it's like, can't get it to work right and all this, but once you get used to it and I think you can use Amazon on Garmin, so, you know, some of the watches will do it. You can use either Amazon or Spotify. 
Me and more, I can answer. My my channel is called, it is the name I have un, under my name. It's called The Old Ultra Runner. <laughs> That's yeah, the name yeah. of my channel. Yeah, check it out. He's got a great channel. Um, me and more, I, I know exactly what you have because I had the 5S for many years. I still have it. And now I'm using the 6X. Your, your 5X Plus will use music. You can put music on there. There are some apps to put music on your watch. But the best way to do it is use Spotify or Amazon Music. You put the app on there. You have to pay some fee every month, but that works the best. So, yeah. But it's tricky once you once you when you first start using music on the watch, it's tricky to get it going right. I found that Spotify works better than uh, Amazon, and I mean I pay like nine bucks a month, but I use it for you know my computer and everything. Mm -hmm. Also, my my podcasting is through Anchor, which is owned by Spotify. So I kind of feel like I'm helping them out. They help me out a lot. So, but um, yeah. So um, yeah, we we're talking about Jackalope Jam. I've I'm thinking if I don't go out the Rocky Raccoon, I might do it. I might do the race again because I did actually won that race, and um, that's a fun race. I wanted to do it the one year it was canceled, and then one year I just didn't want to go out. He he still had the race, but I didn't want to go out there during COVID. I think the loop is too small, you know. Yeah, too dangerous. I, I told well, him, I said, why, don't you, "Why don't you make the loop bigger?" And he's like, "No, we're not doing that." It's he like, tried to have it last year, but it ended up getting canceled anyway because the weather got bad. When we had that big ice storm that shut down all the power, yeah. They ended up, it was the weekend of the Jackalope Jam. So even though he was going to hold it during COVID, it got canceled anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that's that's right. Um, but Rocky Raccoon's a great race. I understand why you go to that every year. <laughs> I like it. And, you know, I like it because it's a golden ticket race. And um, I think some people consider that Tejas Trail's biggest race. But I really like, I think their Bandera 100K is more famous. You know, it's amazing. You listen to these podcasts and uh, shows all in California and stuff. A lot of these people probably don't know where Austin is, but they know where Bandera is. <laughs> it's such a famous race. It's amazing. It, they really, it, in the trail running community, you know, people around the world know Bandera. And mm -hmm. it's because it's a golden ticket race for a long time. Yeah. Rocky Raccoon is too. But um, not, one interesting thing about Rocky Raccoon is, um, oh, Marco, yeah, it's, it's like uh, – you only run on treadmills, never outdoors. Yeah, I can imagine it's so cold out there. I once went to Montreal. I had a company I worked for and did training up there, and it was so brutally cold. Well, and also, I mentioned summer. <laughs> yeah, no summer. Summer would be a lot better. And then when I worked for Nokia, I used to travel to Finland a lot. And um, our headquarters is in Oulu, which is northern Finland. It's like a hundred miles from the Arctic mm -hmm. Circle. And um, I went there for one week, one time, two weeks, one time. And it was minus 35 Celsius and it never got warmer than minus 27. And it was only daylight from like nine in the morning to 11 in the morning when I was at work. Wow. <laughs> yeah. What a, you know, it's, it's brutal. I mean, and uh, what was interesting is a lot of our, my colleagues, they were still rode their bike to work and the trails out there are just amazing because they, they have these like um, biking, cross-country skiing trails along each road, all the roads. And um, they keep them in during the, they can ski on them and they kind of keep them clean for biking and stuff. 
It's just really amazing. Denmark and those other countries, I've been, they, they all do the same thing. I wish they did more of that here. But it's, yeah, it's really, really uh, interesting. But um, anyway, we were talking, we were talking about Rocky Raccoon. Yeah, I think I like the, I like the, the park there, and it's not too far away. You know, it's about three hours for me. And I like that College Station area, you know, Huntsville area. And uh, I think he does a really good job. And um, I've run. I've run Rocky Raccoon, just the 50 miler there. And I've used to run, there was a Sunmark Texas Trails that was held up until probably 2008 or nine. I ran that a few times. Uh -huh. It's on the same trails as Rocky Raccoon. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've been out there a few times to just to run without a race. <laughs> but the last few, the last four or five years, I keep going and doing my Jack up jam just because I've, I don't know why I'm running this ball loop. I like that I'm competitive in it, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Monica, walking, nothing wrong with walking. You know, we're in ultra running. We always call it speed hiking and stuff, but actually we're speed walking. <laughs> we do a lot of walking in ultras. Um, no, so. and if you're walking fast, you're doing a lot. Yeah, yeah. I was, I got a good compliment in this last, in the Brazos Bend. Towards the end of the race, there was a guy that passed me a couple times. And I kid you not, I've, told, I've maybe mentioned this to you before. There's some people that can speed walk faster than I can jog. And it's amazing. They can do like 14 minutes and stuff. Yeah. But he was making this kind of toy soldier movement. And uh, later in the, late in the race, um, I was running with some a lady named Leah. She's one on the trot team. And um, she was pretty beat up. I was pretty beat up. And uh, we were kind of jogging and then walking, jogging and walking. And she told me, she goes, I can't believe how fast you're speed walking. And I'm like, really? No one's ever told me that. <laughs> but I was, I was imitating that guy's movement. And I think there's something to it, you know, you know, it's amazing. You know, we were chatting, you know, in the Olympics, these people doing like six sub six minutes walking. Yeah. Incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. What's, what's even more, you know, really put you in, put you in your place is the, the world record for running backwards is like in the five minute range. And then um, one guy, I think he called it the Beer, the Beer Mile podcast. They also have a YouTube channel. These two guys are supersonic college athletes. I mean, four-minute milers, you know, both of them. And they have some pretty interesting – their their video, their YouTube channel and podcast is all about track running. But um, one of them, I forget his name, but he holds a world record for the Beer Mile. And he is – he just improved on it. And it's like 425. Now, wow. Jay, that's drinking a beer every quarter mile. Yeah, and I can't even. And he's still running a 425 mile. I mean, it's like amazing. It's because he runs sub four without a beer. That's why. I'm going to fly in my garage. But it's really it's really amazing that they doing that. Yeah, that is I almost did I almost did a beer mile this year. There was my my where my father lives, there we had one, but I couldn't get down there. I thought it would just be interesting to go down there and film it you know i was it sounds, gonna film, it was sounds gonna like fun it. but i just don't think i can drink that many beers that quickly anymore either <laughs> i don't know yeah, yeah it would be tough it would be tough because they they do make you drink one full beer every lap there was a time i could do that but it, i'm not proud of that necessarily but <laughs> yeah me too <laughs> yeah me too me too so what what you got are you planning to do anything else uh in the spring What's your what's your plans? Uh, well, I'm signed up. Jackalope? I am also after Jackalope. I'm still I'm signed up for Brazos Bend 50 miler in April. 
Oh, okay. And I'm also signed up for um, the Hatchie in Waxahachie. The 50, there's a 50 miler there. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. they're both two weeks apart, which <laughs> I may have to drop down on one of them. <clears throat> well, the Brazos, the Brazos Ben 50, that that's actually at uh, in Huntsville, right? Yeah, uh, no, it's Brazos Bend is down. Uh, it's in Needville. Okay, Needville. Okay, Needville. you're going all the way down there. The same, that's where yeah. I was. Uh, yeah. Same place you did your 100 miler. It's just they do a 50 miler in the spring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they actually well, have 100K available too, but I'm. Well, if you need the intel on that course, ask me because I did it well, six times. <laughs> I've, done, I've done the 50 miler before. Okay, you've done it. Well, yeah. So, um, well, my, my interest, my, my most interesting story there was, um, in my opinion, almost getting attacked by an alligator. And that was a, I was running by, I told it in one of my other videos, but I'll tell it quickly again. It was really interesting. Uh, I was, it just got dark and it was in my fourth loop. And I was running down the trail. And these trails, as you know, they're like kind of golf, golf cart width. You know, they're not, they're not cheap road, but they're not too small either. But I kind of shined my light off to the right. And uh, there was an al a big alligator. Uh, with his head on the bank, but the rest of his body was in the water. And uh, I don't know if he was sleeping or not. I don't know if alligators sleep or not. But um, I shined my lights in his eyes, and he opened his mouth, and he wasn't happy about that at all. And I kept, I kept, I kept going, and I, I want to say it was probably twenty-five yards. And these two ladies were running behind me, and they just screamed. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think what happened was they shined their lights in his eyes too, and. Uh, he kind of jumped in the water and he let out some kind of roar. I mean, it sounded he like makes a noise. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it scared. It's, it was scary. It made me jump too. And uh, I saw them later in an aid station. And they said, we thought it was going after you. So. <laughs> it's a, little, a little scary. They, yeah. I, they scared me. It kind of freaked me out the last time I ran out there because the, I was running along and there was an alley, there was water on the left and they were right up against the water. It was like six feet wide, the trail to the water. And wow. the alligator was there in full length. And I, my headlight hit him too. And I'm like, I could see his eyes glowing. And he he was like all the way across. And you're like, they say get away from him, you know, kind of run a few feet away from him. But fortunately, the trail was, I don't know, five or six feet wide. So I just ran as far away from him as I could. But his mouth was straight toward me. So it was a little spooky. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is, isn't it? And um, the one I took a picture with, well, everyone took a picture with the photographer that stayed there, but it must have been, it was over 10 foot. It was a huge one. It was just on the bank, but he was kind of blue. And the park ranger said he was in like a kind of hibernation mode. His, they take their heartbeat down to five beats a minute and they just soak up the sun. And he says, as long as you don't go up and pat him on the back, he's not going to do anything. So, but I mean, it's like Jurassic Park out there. I mean, you, they don't, they really, they really look big in person. And I had one case where, you know, after I startled that one, I, I, was, I didn't want, I wasn't shining my light side to side because on the first mini loop, there's three loops. The first mini loop, you're going through a lot of swamp section. And um, I just kept it on the trail. I was scared to scare another alligator. But there was one time where I was kind of catching the edge of the glass and I saw this huge tail. I mean, it was like a dinosaur was laying there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. They're definitely out there. <laughs> The last time I ran too, I also saw a huge snake that was probably that big around and was six or eight feet long. It was big. Really? Wow. Yeah. 
I, it was on the trail. <laughs> wow. I saw I saw I saw a grass snake, but I, I mean it was a pretty big one. I mean, you know, it kind of looked like a green mamba, but we're not in Africa, so it was <laughs> definitely it was definitely a grass snake. But um my brother saw some water moccasins when he was actually at packet pickup, he saw some, but I, I didn't see any, I didn't really see any snakes. I saw some deer and um, a lot of vultures out there. Some of our biggest condors. I mean, they're like every time it was kind of eerie because I think my last lap was daylight again. And um, I had a lot of chafing and stuff. I was like, man, do I smell like blood or something? Cause like, <laughs> I, every time I looked up in the trees, there was like 20 of them. And I was like, mm. are they just flying around? just waiting for me to fall down. <laughs> but they're huge. I mean, I mean, you see big buzzards. These are gigantic birds. I mean, well, I'm glad you made it out without them picking you clean there, Richard. Yeah, I am too. I am too. But uh, let's see. What else? What else did I write down? I was going to. Yeah. Um, oh, I was, maybe we can talk about tapering. I, I really don't do any tapering. I always have this discussion with my brother and um my kind of my kind of way of doing it is because you know I, I I listen to some podcasts and videos sometimes it's like I'm in taper mode you know and they're like two weeks don't do anything but I found that you know kind of it's kind of like uh you know in the tool building business you know we we say you know steel harding you know making your I I find my I do better if I just keep doing my daily routine now I'll slow down the miles but even a few days before an ultra I'm running a few miles each day and that's I've, I used to, I used to try to follow marathon taper when I was yeah. just running marathons and yeah you know, the last three weeks you're like reducing your mileage and being yeah I, yeah I'm like I don't do that anymore I'm like the, maybe the week before the week of the race I may be doing a little less miles but I'm still getting out and run some and I'll still yeah. run well I, I'll say I'll run maybe a half marathon to 15 miles the weekend before an ultra I don't care. But now I've been doing, I was doing all these uh, six hour races in the fall. Shoot, I was, <laughs> I was doing ultras on Saturdays and six hour races on Sundays <laughs> the last couple yeah. of years. So, yeah. And I, 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 I think if you, if you take too, too much time off, you know, cause you know, real taper is supposed to be kind of a V and some people are taking off like one or two weeks before a race. And I find that my body tightens up, you know, cause I, I go through that a little bit after a big race because, you know, I, I just can't run. I hack. Want to recover so, yeah so i'm recovering and that first run after the recovery it's not because i was injured it's just because i didn't run in a long time it's always a little bit uh, difficult to get going and i find that if you know i just keep busy until the race comes and uh you know the, a couple of days before the race i might like do like two mile runs you know something mm -hmm. like that i'm kind yeah. of the same way and I, but i'm like you i like sometimes a break after a big ultra just mentally as much as anything yeah, Sometimes yeah. Sometimes my body's ready in a few days, but I just <laughs> not sure I'm mentally ready. Yeah, and one thing I can do, I do to incorporate days off in the week. There's a funny um, when I did the 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 run, the RRCA um, coaching, license coaching. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a three day course, and the guy that that teaches it, he was one of the the lead instructors, and he at one time ran a two sixteen marathon. He's a really fast guy at one time. And so he's real experienced. And um, he was talking about days off. And I was like, you can run every day and still take a day off. He's like, what? What are you talking about? I was like, well, what I do is some days I'll run in the morning. And then the next day I run in the evening. It's more mm -hmm. than 24 hours. 
And, you know, people don't think of it that way. And um, it was a funny story one time to get off the subject a little bit, but um, I was going in for a colon check one time and, um, the, you know, they tell you don't, you're not supposed to eat anything for 24 hours, not 24 hours, not for a whole day. Mm-hmm. And mine was like at three o'clock and I go in there and the nurse like briefing me is like, when was the last time you ate? And I said, well, yesterday morning. She says, well, I haven't told you not to eat for a whole day. I was like, where's three o'clock? 24 hours before is three o'clock the previous day. But they don't think that way. It's, it's the same thing of running, you know. You, you know, if you think about it, you know, like if I drive to a race, I'm often going on a Friday. I leave in the morning. Like when I went to Brazos Bend, I did a little shakeout run in the morning, you know, but I didn't really race until six the next day. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like I took a day off before the race. Yeah. Technically, you know, <laughs> but, you know, if someone takes a calendar day off and they run every morning. They're really taking, um, they're really taking uh, more than a, almost two days off. So when you really calculate the hours, you know. So, so Richard, do you have any races planned this next year coming up? You talk, thinking about Bandera and you're thinking about Rocky Record. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, well, the ones I've got, I'm registered for. That's a good question. The ones I'm re- registered for is Bandera Hundred K, so that's going to happen. That's the first weekend, second of weekend of January, first weekend of January. Kind of moves sometimes. And then I've got Run Love at the end of February. And then um, I wanted to. My craziness is gets gets more crazy. I wanted to get into the um, the Cruel Jewel, wow. but um, that's a race that I've always wanted to do. It's in May. But I went to try to sign up for it. And, uh, you know, that's in Georgia, North Georgia. And it's a, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a master's level race, too. But they've got a belt buckle that's huge. It's like a plaque. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. But it's a very popular race. It's also um, um, a qualifier. For yeah, it yeah. It's because of the, the amount of people they allow in the race. I guess it's because of the Forest Service again, you know. But mm-hmm. – um, you know, I tried to register this week and uh, they already have a wait list. And I sent them an email and they said the wait list is already 70 people. And I was like, oh, wow. Bad. She says usually in the 50 get in there. But I've always wanted to do it. But my my son's birthday is, is in the middle of May. And this year it happens to kind of push to the next weekend. So I'm not going to skip his birthday for a trail race. But um, this year, it's not on the same weekend. So I was like, man, that's perfect. I was going to do it. Plus, it's in May, so there's some spacing. But that fell through. Another one that I really want to do is the the Cocodona 250. That's in April. That's in Arizona. It's just so yeah. expensive. That's like $1,300 for a race. And I know I they give you a tracker. And you got a week of running. And, you know. But you still got to I didn't know it cost that much. Yeah. Yeah. I was watching things on it today because I was on the treadmill for so long. <laughs> I turned on. <laughs> I really want to do that one. And the one I wanted to do before that, which is still on my list, is the Moab 240. I really want to do that one because mm-hmm. I like it because it's kind of hot and it's cold. But if I do a 200 miler and, you know, invest in it, I want to finish it. And I, I think I really interested in I, I could finish the 240 with the right training in the Arizona, I've done Arizona races before. I kind of know what I'm getting into. But some of those other races like Tahoe, I mean, I lived in the Bay Area. No way I'd want to do that. I want to be scared I'd get eaten by something. 
<laughs> mountain lions everywhere. And, and you know, that's a really tough race. And then they have the Bigfoot 200 up in the Washington. No way. I'm going to eat and bite some bear. <laughs> that, that's the toughest 200 of them all. I've, I've re- listened to podcasts about it. But yeah. if I do it, if I do one of those big investment 200s, I, I'd like to really do the Moab or the Cocodona. Yeah. yeah. But um, other than that, you know, I haven't done it in a few years, but I used to do the summer series. Um Mm-hmm. with Tejas trails, right. You know, where they start the race at seven o'clock. And if you do all four of them, you can get, you know, you get a medal for each one and you get a special one. If you finish the series, those are really cool races. It's 30 or 60 K. They are cool races. Yeah. Um, I might do I that this year. a couple of years ago, but yeah, I, I, might do, I, might, I might do that this year. I'm not sure, but, um, I'd like to do the Arkansas Travelers again. And that's in November. My brother will probably try to do it again, too. We want to finish that. I came so close to finishing and I just didn't, my planning wasn't very good. And I, I just came into the, the a little bit past midway point right at cutoff. I, they were going to let me go, but I'd like have no time for aid stations or nothing. I was like, man, there's no way I'm going to make it. Now, so, did I hear that that one has a lot of like Jeep roads, but it's very hilly? Is that it weird? is. It is. It's, like 12,000 feet of elevation. And that's where I learned my lesson, you know, because people say, you know, hike uphill, hike uphill. You do it in that race, you're going to DNF. You got to jog uphill because everything is uphill. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've, re, I've recalibrated. If it's just a few degrees of draft, I mean, uh, I, I'm I'm going to try to jog it. That's where I ran into trouble, Jay, is I, I lost time in the first half because, oh, this is a hill, so I'll speed hike it. And I just, I got way too behind. And so you they, hike, hike faster then. <laughs> yeah, I would need to. But I really was literally one hour. If I had one hour banked one hour, I could have done it. I've thought about doing that one. I would like to try that one, I think. It's a beautiful. And they do such a great job. You know, it's one of the oldest ultras in the U.S. And they really, that art, that Little Rock organization that puts mm-hmm. it together, they just do a great job. Because it's only about 30 minutes from Little Rock. So, you know, major cities next to it. And... um like um yeah, I've heard great things about that race. So. Yeah, the um the um the main aid station in the middle, pipeline or um anyways, power line. You know, anytime you hear power line, you know, it's gonna be difficult. But um it's literally the, right after a power line section and they had a band there. It was like something I saw on like you know, Havelina Hundred and all the cars can, you know, there's only a few places on the course that the crews can come and see, you know, cars lined up, you know, waiting for their people coming in. And it was just a big party. And I mean, they really did a great job. And every day, all the aid stations out there were like that. And the first aid station, they had pancakes and bacon. I mean, it's just unreal. Sounds good. It's yeah. only, but it's, hard, it's not easy to get into, or you have to be on top of it because they only let about 300 in. So, when they open it up in August, you got to be, you know, put it on. That's what I did. I put it on my calendar and I was able to get in there. And my brother got in there. So I think I can get in there again, but it's one that you can't let slip because if you try, if you try to uh, wait too long, you can't get into it. Okay. But, well, um, I need to if, decide if I want to do that and put it on the calendar then. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great race, but that race, it's a hundred or nothing. Cause they don't have any other distance. <laughs> <laughs> the run love it has a hundred K, but, um, Still trying to get over a cough. Yeah, it's getting better. 
And, um, but if that doesn't pan out, some other ones I'd like to do is I'd like to do Havilene 100 again. I think my brother would like to go out there again too. That's one that you should try to do, Jay. And it's just, that one sounds fun too. It's really nice. And the, the flights to Phoenix, you know, especially from Dallas, really cheap. Not bad. Yeah. Yeah. Not really cheap. And it's easier than from Austin. I got to stop someplace. But from Dallas, you can fly directly to Phoenix. And I ran a car. I've done the race twice. So the first race, the first time I did it, I, I went 82 miles. I had some back issues and pulled out. And then the second time I finished, my brother's been out there and he's finished 100K. But it's Jamil does such a great time. And that's his flagship race. All of his races are great, but that's his flagship race. You know, it's the biggest ultra in the U.S. There's over a thousand people. And uh, it's a five loops. And each loop, it changes direction. So it's kind of washing. Mm -hmm. You're always seeing the pros lead passing you and the pros coming towards you. You see your friends the same way. And it's amazing. You go out there, you see a lot of people from Texas and all over the place. And yeah, I was chatting with people from uh, 10 junk miles. The podcast was out there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see a lot of famous people. And um, my brother and I, we were at the expo the day we got there on a Friday. Um, the expo was on Friday. And we saw Jim Walmsley in the Hoka booth, said hi to him. And uh, Eric Sensman in the Squirrels Nut Butter booth. This is like, you know, A-list runners everywhere. Oh, yeah. And uh, the, they have really big sponsors, you know. The the one aid station they have in the middle of the course, it's like a, a disco. And uh, they have big sponsors. I mean, they literally had um, cheeseburgers for the runners, not just the lead pack for everybody. Wow. And, uh, yeah. One age station had pizza and I've heard it's even gotten better because uh, Jamil's brother, Nick, they are partners on a pizza place. In That's town. right. That's so right. they supply all the pizza for Havelina. So it's, uh, and it's the it's, same brother that just set the American record on 24 yeah. hours. Yeah, it is. I was reading, I was reading, uh, there's a really nice write-up about that, his effort and race and how he got started on I Run Far. I was reading it today. But he, he talked about how he got involved and because he got involved in running because Jamil got involved and, and now he's actually faster than Jamil now. now I'm going to have to think quite a bit about my fall schedule. I, I may have to, I'll probably do a few that are local up here because that Blaze Trails company that's taking over a whole lot of the trot races that are in the North Texas part. Uh-huh. They put on, they put on the Rockledge Rumble and the Grasslands for several years and They've added some other races and now they're taking over the trot race. So like next year, not in 2022, but in 2023, they'll do the running the rows. They'll do the possums revenge, all those races that have been trot in North Texas. They're taking them all over. Well, I'm apparently going to be an ambassador for them. So I'll probably run. That's great. That's great. Have you done the Grayford race, the possums revenge? I've been out there twice. I've done it. Yes. Yes. I've been that's a, that's a tough course. And the one year I did the 69 mile, it was incredibly hot. I mean, yeah. it was hot even on Texas standards. And then I think it was last year I went out and I did one, I did one loop with my brother. He was doing the, the race, but they hold it. Nice it's always hot there. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that time it wasn't too bad, but the, the time I did the 69 mile, it was just brutally hot. I think they're talking about the, not, this year will still be held by a trot, but I think when Blaze Trails takes it over, they're thinking about moving it to a different time of year where it won't be quite as hot. <laughs> but, that would be a good idea. I mean, if they move it to like October, November, that would be a great place to go, you know. Yeah, it's just there's so many races in October and November, so it's hard. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's true. The Rock Ledge one I've never done before. And the Grasslands. Where's the Grasslands one at? Grasslands is in just outside Decatur. It's kind of north of Dallas-Fort Worth a little bit. Is that near Wichita Falls? It's it's not that far west. It's, long, it's long, 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 long time ago, I used to do when I was really into biking, too. I did the Hotter Than Hell 100. You ever mm -hmm. done that? I did too. Yeah. yeah. I haven't it's done that in a lot of years. years. Falls. Yeah. But, that's but yeah, it. this is um, probably an hour. Well, it's about an hour north and slightly west of Dallas, Fort Worth. But, but they hold it on a, it's actually a, it's a national grasslands property. It's, it's owned by the government, but they, they normally have horseback riding there a lot. So they have yeah. all these horse trails. It's actually pretty sandy. <laughs> is it really? Yeah. And that's not a of tree cover. Horses like sand, but um, yeah, I don't like it too much. There's in it. I'm oh, sorry. I think you you froze. I didn't get This that. weekend there's one. Up oh, can you hear me now? Uh, yeah, I can hear you now. Oh, okay, good. I was looking at the race schedule and there is some 50K or even 50 mile up in that Decatur area this weekend, or was it last week? And some lady race directors putting it on. Do you know anything about that one? I was just looking for something to do. And I noticed that there was one up there. I'm not sure. Yeah. Not sure. I mean, it's interesting. There's, there's so many races now um, all over the place, Houston, DFW, even in this Austin area, there are some small race directors that um, um, do stuff do a pretty good job. I, I tend to like to do the ones that, you know, use ultra sign up just so I can keep all my data. Um, but well, I've just, done some that, are, that haven't done it. So. Some don't that, that blaze thing does. They, they've only put on a few races, but now they're growing. They're going to have like 12 or 13 races next year. So. Yeah. And it's, it's not too hard to, I, I one time for a California race, I just got the, I just downloaded the data and the, if you put it in a CSV file and send it to them, they'll upload it on ultra sign up. So I've done that one time because the race director wouldn't do it. I just. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know why I was so anal about that, but I, I just like all my data on ultra sign up because it's easy to, you know, go back and cause I can't remember, you know, but it's nice. I wish the marathons had done that too. You know, so I, I know, I know uh, a lot of marathons that I've done, but I can't remember which years I did them, you know, so. I, I got to contact there's a race director. The one that I did the perpetual motion I did a race in August where I did, it was a 48 hour race, but I did a hundred miles. Uh -huh. I'd love to see that one uploaded. It's, they actually sent it to like ultra running magazine and stuff, but they don't have it on ultra sign up. Well, if you can, if you can get it in a CS, there's a format that on ultra sign up, they tell you how to do it. Okay. And um, it, it doesn't need a lot of data. It's like um, name, age, and, uh, and they just have a requirement how many people you don't have to actually do it for everybody. Um, I think when I did it, Jay, I just did it for the males. I just wanted to get mine up there. So I, I grabbed all the males and sent it to them and they uploaded it. I never heard anything else. Um, I'll have to look. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for people getting into trail running that, you know, using ultra sign up, I wrote, cut some tips down. One thing real important is make sure that you, when you set up your ultra sign up account, use the name that you want to use going forward. And, uh, like I'm from, for me, my, I'm a junior. And when I first started, I didn't have junior on mine. And then I said, well, I want it to match my ID. So I had to import a few races into my new ID with junior, but now 
when I set up my races, it's always Richard Elkins Jr. So I, I do it. I do it on purpose to make sure that it's going to upload. Okay. Yeah. But I know some people, yeah. I know some people that have several accounts and like got married or I say, well, you can port it over. They'll do that for you. But if you're careful about how you sign up for races, you'll never have that problem. So, yeah. 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 Well, Richard, I'm going to have to drop off. I'm sorry. I'm no problem. Um, no, thanks for joining. I've really enjoyed it. And, and I'm going to check out Monica. Monica's channel, Monica TV, and, and Mia Moore's. I've been to Mia Moore's before, though. So, yeah, yeah. Thanks for Jay for uh, for joining. And um, if thanks if you for inviting me, Richard, I really yeah, enjoyed. Yeah. It. If you'd like to get a copy of the file, let me know, and I'll I'll try to send it to you tomorrow. Well, that'd be great. That'd okay. Be great. All right. Thank you very much. All right. All right. Bye, Jay. Bye. Right. Bye. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna continue. I've got some things I wanted to talk about. Um, some exciting news is um, uh, Ari Vipa. We were talking about them earlier. Ari Vipa is a big race director in Arizona. They have set up an office in Colorado, in Colorado City. So they plan to do more races in Colorado. So I think that's going to be good because there are a bunch of small race directors in Colorado, and I think they see any opportunity there. And it's, you know, Colorado is one of the best places to do trail, ra trail racing, and there isn't a better race director in the U.S. than Ari Vipa. They just do a great job. Um, uh, entry to ultra. So when you get into trail running, also, you know, I was talking about earlier that I used road shoes in my first two ultras and I tore up my feet. You know, I, that's how you learn. But I, I, I went one, one step further in the mistake is when I went into the, the running store, um, I was in the Bay area. And if you go in a trail running store in the Bay Area, the selection is just huge. I got these Ultras. I still have them. These are the Ultras uh, Supremes. Um, too thin of a sole for me, but I didn't know any better. I mean, they look good. They felt great. And I use them for like 5K runs, something like that. But, you know, I weigh 195 pounds. Those shoes are way too thin for me. I really should be wearing Temps or Ultra Olympuses. So, it's real important. Oh, thanks, Monica. Thanks for joining. Um, it's real important to uh, buy the correct shoe. And uh, if you have a narrow foot, some brands are better for narrow feet. Like if you're a lady and have a narrow foot, uh, Solomon is a very good brand to try. Hoka has many that are very narrow, just normal fitting. And um, so, you know, get what's best for you. But, you know, if you're, 130 pound runner versus a 200 pound runner like me, you're going to need a different shoe. So it's important to get a good shoe that's going to work for you. Highly suggest the brands. Um, well, Nike's got some good shoes. Ultra, if you have big feet, um, big forefoot, um, Ultra works really good. There's zero drop. And what zero drop means is there's no angle in the shoe. If you want like a six millimeter drop, a little bit of uh, angle to the shoe with more cushioning, you can try Hoka or Nike. I also wear them. I like to wear different kinds of shoes so that kind of prevent injury. So make sure that you get the right shoes. That's real important. And also the right socks. Um, I don't wear even the shirt I got on right now. This is a running shirt. All my stuff is polyester. And um, I found cotton just, I sweat too much. And if I wear too much cotton in the socks or any cotton at all, 
I'll get blisters. So I wear really, they're expensive, $15 in Gingy socks. They're, they're mostly polyester or similar type product. And I wear the toe socks. Um, but you want to get, if you're going to do trail running, you want to get socks that are made for trail running. And if you don't, if you don't know, you can ask. Um, but like thin marathon socks, you don't want to wear them. You don't want to wear them in a trail run. And the reason is because your, your foot's going to get jarred around a lot, you know, especially if you're in a technical section. Um, what else I wanted to say? Um, hydration packs. You don't really need one in the beginning. Um, you know, if you're going to run a 50K, bottles are fine. Even in 100K and 100 milers, I use bottles during the day. So I'm running 50 miles with bottles in my hands. Um, then at night, I use a pack. Um, so you don't really have to go out and get a hydration pack yet. And when you do get one, make sure you talk to your friends or when you're out at a 50K, maybe chat with some of the aid stations on which one you should get. Um because some of them are better than others and some of them just fit better than others. Like for me, ultra spire works well. Cause I'm a, I'm a bigger build. Um, if you're very thin and especially for the ladies, I highly recommend Solomon. They just have a better fitting one. Um, I can't wear Solomon. It's just too tight. Even the XL I can't wear, but um, Nathan makes a very good one. Ultra spire makes a very good one. Try on a few different ones. You want to get it where it's, it's a little bit loose because you can tighten it up, but you don't want it too loose. But you also don't want it too tight because what's going to happen is you're going to try it on in the store and it's going to be tight. And then you're going to fill up the bladder in the back. And it's going to be even a lot tighter. So you don't want that. So it's better to get one size up. So if you think you're a medium, get a large. That's very important. Um, lighting. Just get you a, a black diamond headlamp to start out with. But don't get a cheap one. They have $20 ones. Don't do that. Get the $40 one. I think it's the 600 version or 400 plus, something like that. Headlamps, you don't want to get headlamps. You know, you don't want to run out of light at night. And it happened to me one time. I've told the story before when I was in 100K and I thought it was going to take me only a few hours in the dark. And it took me like 10 hours in the dark. And, um, yeah, you, you, you don't want to be a cheap, a cheap on the lamp. I'm so careful about lighting that even if I use a headlamp for, I change the batteries and I only use it for two hours or one hour, I still change the batteries for the next race. Put new ones. And I put new either copper top or ever-ready red top. I buy the best batteries you can buy. Because when you're out in the black forest, boy, when the light goes out, it's tough. And you need another light to change it. So I carry a small flashlight. Uh, handheld Nathan. So don't be cheap about lighting. That's my recommendation to you. People, some people do it and they get burned by it. Nothing worse than work, walking down the trail on the pitch. It's black, dark, using your iPhone to try to. Um, I talked about ultra sign up. Nice thing. It can be a 10K. It can be a 5K. Just go out and see if you like the trails. And um, if, you, if you're the kind of person that's done only half marathons, I highly recommend um, fully work your way up. Uh, don't go out there and sign up for 50 miler as your first trailways. Now, if you have some experience with marathons, doing a 50K as your first trail ultra is a very good selection. 
because you know you're only running 10k further than a than a marathon and you're running slow you're not going to run the same pace you do in a marathon so you know start my first race was a 50k actually it was like i told you it was a six hour i ended up running like 28 28 miles and then around 50k a couple 50ks I actually never did a 50 miler. I don't think I've ever done a 50 miler. Then I went to 100Ks and I think I've got like 31 ultras and majority are 100Ks. I've gotten, I finished 400 milers. I've attempted eight. Yeah, I think eight or seven. I've DNF some, but even the ones I DNF'd, I finished at least 100K. So 100K is kind of my sweet spot. I really like that distance and uh, it's not too crazy long, but it's not too short either. And uh, you don't get so beat up. A hundred milers, I really only try to do a couple per year. Any more than that, it's, it's really tough to to deal with. Um, also, some people have stomach problems in uh, trail racing. A couple, a couple pointers. About, and I'll talk about some of these cliff blocks. Um, you want to eat like two to three hundred calories an hour, and that sounds easy but it you know training and practicing to do that the race you can do that with gels and stuff and then at night you can start eating more real food but if you eat more than that you're going to have stomach issues but one way of getting a uh, cliff makes these called cliff blocks and goo also makes something it's on goo um it's not blocks i can't remember the name but they look just like these and these come in a long pack this one's cut in half well, these things are like um, blocks, like a, a thick gummy bear. And uh, I like these a lot because um, it's like one pack is like eating two gels. And I can cut the end and I can hold it in my hand when I'm running and I, I'll eat like two at a time. But what's really important about these things is you won't have stomach problems. And why is that? Because it clogs up your colon. <laughs> I didn't come up with this. It, the pros, <coughs> the pros that do the Arctic Ultras, like the Yukon Ultra, the Arrowhead 135, the Sled Dog Races. Um, what's the famous one? Well, I'm just forgetful tonight. You know, the one in Alaska. The, I'll remember it in a minute. Anyways, when it's brutally cold like that, they don't want to go poop in the, in the forest. It's very difficult. What they do is they use gummy bears and they use blocks and uh, this kind of candy. Um, it clogs up their system. They don't have to go poop for a couple of days. It works well. I do the same thing. Um, I eat these in an ultra during the day. In the, in the beginning, I never have stomach problems. I, you'll never see me in a porta potty in an ultra. It's good at clogging up your system. Goo make. I mean, I'm not sponsored by Cliff. I wish I was. Cliff or Goo makes these, um, or you could use gummy bears. I'm sure they work the same. You know, Courtney DeWalter eats gummy bears. Um, but I think that's a trick. That's, that's, that's a trick that will help you. If you have problems where you're always going to the toilet, you know, during races and trail runs and stuff, and you're sick of it, try that. <coughs> Another thing is when you do a trail race, try to get up like at least an hour, hour and a half before the race and drink some bunch of coffee, you know, eat something. But, you know, I usually eat a bagel, um, not too much. And that'll get your system going. You want to clean your body out, you know. 
worst thing you want to do is, you know, first you get going in the trail race and you're trying to find the bushes or find a, trying to find a restroom or something. I do that and I never have a problem, but I have friends and that, you know, have to sneak off in the bushes, you know, it's like they didn't prepare right. And, um, I mean, I do that on training days too. I mean, I get up in the morning, you know, I'm, I get up pretty early, you know, but it's always a few hours before I go running. The people that get out, that get out of bed and, you know, quickly go for a run. I don't know how they do it. And um, I guarantee you they, they're jotting off into the bushes or finding the neighborhood potty because, you know, your system, system takes time to wake up, you know, but anyways, those are some pointers. Um, What else? Oh, this is a funny one. My last pointer for the night, and then we'll end the show. Um, after an ultra, 100K or 100 miler, you're really beat up. And um, I get jacked up on coffee the whole race, you know, because I'm running at night. Even 100K, I'm running at night. And there's so much pain in my legs. You know, you know, I usually I live about three hours from the races usually. And um, I need to rest some before I'll try to sleep some in my car or my, I have a cot tent and it's real hard to fall asleep. Even if I, even if I'll take like some Tylenol PMs, sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't, but like at Brazos Bend, man, my legs were hurting so bad and I'd been up for, um, 28, 29 hours. I couldn't go to sleep. I lay down on the cot and I couldn't go to sleep. I need to sleep like three or four hours and then I can drive home. I mean, a few hours sleep, I feel like a new person. That's an interesting thing I can, t- I can talk about more in a, in a minute about how much sleep you really need. But I found out a trick. I couldn't go to sleep for nothing. I even took two, uh, um, you know, some pain medicine and everything. I was wide awake, completely wide awake. I drove down the road. I had to leave the park. I couldn't just stay in there. So I drove down the road. I mean, I was wide awake. There's no danger. I went to, I was hungry. I like Whataburger. I went to Whataburger and uh, wide awake, completely wide awake. You would never thought that I'd just run hundred miles or run, jog, walk. I mean, it took me 28 hours. I ate that Whataburger. Whataburger has magic to make you go to sleep. <laughs> I ate that Whataburger and I went back in my car. I kid you not. I passed out in my car. I woke up like three hours later. I don't know what all the Whataburger workers were thinking. This guy just just ate and just camping out in our, our um, parking lot. But um, that's the key is eat a big meal after you run one and you'll go to sleep. So I learned that. I've been running for a long time. I never tried everything, try to make myself go to sleep. Sometimes I'll just lay in the car for a while, kind of doze off here and there. But it's tough. I don't know. People say they just go right to sleep after an ultra. I don't know how to do that because I got a lot of pain in my legs and I'm jacked on coffee. So, you know, I'm a coffee addict, you know, so I need to drink coffee and I drink it all night long, you know, keep going. But I thought that was interesting. But you know, talk about sleep. You know, a lot of these um, um, professional ultra runners, they're doing like the 200 mile races. You know how much sleep they say you really need to really go into REM sleep? They say they will sit down on a trail. They've got it down to an arc. They say that it's really only about um, anywhere from like eight to 12 minutes. Isn't that amazing? You know, um, they'll, just, they'll just lay down on the trail. I mean, this is after they've run 100 miles. You know, they're in a 200 miler. 
they'll lay down on the trail and kind of cuddle up. And they say that if they literally fall asleep for like 10 minutes, they'll wake up and feel like a new person. It's amazing. You know, when I did, I was talking about the Jackalope Jam earlier. I did the 48-hour race. Um, that's when Jackalope, and I did the Ruck Race. So I had a 20-pound metal plate on my back. So I was mainly competing against the military folks, uh, which had a lot more experience rucking than, with, than me, which is really something different because when you're rucking, um, you got constant weight on your feet which is a little bit different than running. So it's kind of speed hiking with a 20 pound plate on my back. But anyways, I went for like, I want to say I went for like 30 hours. I didn't take any breaks. I mean, I sat down to drink coffee here and there, but I'm talking about sleep breaks and I had my tent there and I had a inflatable mattress. So around 30 hours, I had like a, I had like a 15 mile lead because the other guys that, I was really, that, that race, if I talk about any race I'm really proud of, I'm really proud of that one because the guy that got second place was a Navy SEAL, and I ended up beating him by 25 miles. And the reason I did is because I just had better, I wore better gear than he did, and I didn't take many breaks. Because um, I wore I wore trail running gear for 100, I, I finished 100 miles in 48 hours. And uh, I wore my trail running shoes, my Olympuses, and those guys were wearing like jungle boots, you know, made by on and stuff like that. So their feet got really torn up. They were wearing shoes and boots that were really designed for 20, 30 miles. But anyways, getting back to what I'm talking about sleep, I laid down at 30 miles and I laid down and I fell asleep. I didn't set the alarm or anything. And I woke up and I felt, I felt like I'd slept for at least an hour. I got back out on the, I, you know, I, I, I didn't take my shoes off or anything. I just jumped up, drank some coffee and got back on the trail. And I really only slept like 15 or 20 minutes, but I felt like a new person after 30 hours, no sleep. It was amazing. And, uh, you know, it's like when you put your kids to sleep, when they, um, like my son, he's very, he's, he's very light sleeper in the middle of the night. If you walk by him, he's going to wake up. But when they first go to sleep, when they drop, get into that REM sleep, you know, nothing can wake them up. And that's the same thing when you, when you're trail running or doing these long endurance events, you're doing like a 10, 15 minute REM sleep where your body really jumps into REM mode. Boy, you wake up and you feel like a new person. Anyways, that's my experience. And that's what the pros say too. So it's not just me, but um, anyways, hope everybody had liked our live stream tonight. I like to thank Monica and, uh, Mia Moore for joining. We had Truly International and Jay from Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, it was uh, a great broadcast and uh, maybe having another one on Friday. So uh, stay tuned. And uh, like I always say, enjoy your run. And uh, tomorrow's Friday, so enjoy your weekend. Take care. Bye-bye.